I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty-gritty so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... Bart DeGraff, Bart's NeverEnding Network, and The Great Donor Show. What was The Great Donor Show? It was a Dutch reality TV show that aired in 2007 on the most popular public broadcast station in the Netherlands, Bart's NeverEnding Network, a channel founded by Bart DeGraff a chronically ill Dutch TV comedian suffering from long-term kidney failure. After he passed away in 2002 due to his condition, his eponymous TV station joined forces with the creators of Fear Factor and Big Brother to create The Grove Donner Show, or The Great Donner Show, a televised competition in which a terminally ill woman suffering from brain cancer would judge three contestants who were desperately ill? He needed a new kidney? the help of the audience they would choose one of her kidneys after she died it sparked global controversy for being exploitative and distasteful (laughs) what i told you it was crazy but was it actually one of the greatest pieces of political protest art of all time One, if some weird shit happens on Dutch television and nobody's around to think it's strange, does it even count as absurdism? Our culture has a rough go at altruism. Is it even physically possible to do in our modern world? And does it even matter if it is? Everything is documented. The hive eye of our collective cameras captures everything. Every act is done for content. The things you see are performed as an opportunity to go viral, mine attention, further a brand, or enrich somebody. And the things you don't see aren't visible enough to have a significant impact. There are whole channels on TikTok where guys go around feeding and pampering homeless people in exchange for getting to film the whole thing for a video and force them to give the creator a hug on camera at the end so they can feed the machine of their brand. Which, when you think about it, isn't charity. It's just paying an actor to appear in your video, which nobody should be given a pat on the back for. Every multi-million dollar donation by a billionaire philanthropist is quickly followed up by a Vox video essay explaining how the donation was actually an elaborate tax write-off scheme and the money's all being funneled into their secret research on eugenics. Except, of course, if the billionaire philanthropist is on the board of Comcast, which owns Vox Media. Artists in movies like Rage Against the Machine, Run the Jewels, Wall Street, and Sorry to Bother You are funded and promoted by the very soulless megacorporations they are protesting against because, surprise, surprise, those corporations don't care if you think they're evil and will gleefully monetize your dissent. Those stuffed shirt corporate goons will cast aside their $12,000 Armani suits and proudly don a t-shirt that says, In this corporate headquarters, we believe black lives matter, women's rights are human rights, colonizers and imperialists should be overthrown, and capitalism is the root of all evil, while they count your money. They'll cuck for cash because every great chess player knows that the key to winning is making your opponent think they're smarter than you. And so we're left with these weird, existentially dystopian table scraps, like that time that Mr. Beast paid to have 10,000 blind people given sight-restoring surgeries. That video received so much backlash for the exact same reason that I was criticizing those homeless empathy porn TikTok channels earlier. But if you're thinking about it in good faith, there's almost a point where the actual deed starts to outweigh the exploitation and callous content mining, right? Like, he helped 10,000 blind people to see again. 
Even if it's exploitative and also a stark reminder of our broken healthcare system, it's still something. But it was ultimately just one and done. Nothing greater came out of that video. I'm glad for those 10,000 people who are now able to see again. And also, I guess I'm glad for Mr. Beast, who was able to use the revenue from that video to start a Willy Wonka-esque chocolate empire. Even this grand gesture was a disposable piece of content with no greater implications. So it's all pointless then. We live in the Matrix. But what if a bunch of Dutch people outbeasted Mr. Beast over a decade ago, and their stunt not only was way crazier than anything Mr. Beast has ever dreamt of doing, but also had much more far-reaching impacts on society, and most people just don't even know about it. Have you ever heard of Indemol Entertainment? You've probably not heard the name, but you're definitely aware of their work. The Dutch-based media company shockingly created basically every reality and game show you've ever heard of, including Big Brother, Deal or No Deal, and Fear Factor. Yes, this company in the Netherlands was directly responsible for launching the career of Joe Rogan. They also produced several scripted dramas such as Peaky Blinders and fucking Black Mirror. Yes, the same company that made Big Brother also made Black Mirror. That's like if you found out that the guy who wrote and directed the Mad Max movies also made Happy Feet. Or that the guy who directed The Godfather also directed Jack, that movie where Robin Williams is a kid who looks like an adult. Or the guy who directed The Sixth Sense also wrote She's All That. Or that the guy who created Two and a Half Men and Big Bang Theory wrote the theme song to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Those things are all true, by the way. The company was founded by Joop Van Den Ende and John DeMaul in 1994 and specialized in creating shows that could be packaged and sold in markets all over the world. For instance, Deal or No Deal was sold and developed in over 75 countries, and Fear Factor was sold in 30. And throughout the late 90s and early 2000s, they basically owned the budding reality TV landscape. And then, promptly throughout the 2000s, they were bought up and traded by various conglomerates until ultimately they were absorbed by Core Media, the company that produces American Idol. The company no longer exists, at least not in its original Dutch form. But man, they had a hell of a run. I'll pour one out for the OG Endemol every time I watch an episode of MasterChef India. But there was one single show they produced in their history that, while not nearly as well-known as the others, was the most significant. So controversial that people all over the world demanded its immediate cancellation, and the Prime Minister of the Netherlands had to personally make a statement about it. It aired on June 1st, 2007, and it was called The Great Donor Show. But before we get to that, we have to explain the TV network that the show aired on. We must explore the history of Dutch public broadcast station Bart's never-ending network and its idiosyncratic founder, Bart de Graaf. Bart Frederikus de Graaf was born in Harlem in the Netherlands on April 16, 1967. The kidney problems resulted in a rare growth condition where Bart, kind of like the opposite of Robin Williams and Jack, stayed looking like a kid for the rest of his life. And while this tragic event permanently changed the trajectory of his life, Mega Jack ended up capitalizing on his unique appearance to carve out somewhat of a minor celebrity in the Netherlands throughout the 80s and 90s. So this is Bart de Graaf. Dave, you want to you wanna take a look at this and tell us what we're seeing? Boy, um, you ever see that show, that sitcom in the 90s, maybe early 2000s, called Titus? 100%. I used to watch Titus all the time. My dad... My dad loved Titus. That was like one of the rare things where he actually expressed a, an opinion on something, and I was able to kind of bond with him about something in a way. Well, this comedian looks like what if Titus from the sitcom Titus had a Billy Batson? Yes, absolutely. To me, I mean, that's that's pretty apt. You're right. You're, you, you, that's, a good, that's a good observation. To me, my thought was 
he literally looks like if they he literally looks like if they made a hyper realistic real life version of Bart Simpson. Mm, mm-hmm. Like it's just literally like one of those things. It's like it's a, it, it's like if you went to Mid Journey and were like ultra realistic cinematic real life live action Bart Simpson. Yeah, he looks kind of like if almost there. There we go. Yeah, he he looks um he looks kind of like if Mac and me were tried to launch a successful career as the plucky child character on a 70s sitcom. Yeah, he he 100% looks like that Mac and me alien guy. Like that that's definitely what he looks like. Yeah, I, I would I would recommend he's he's an interesting figure so, you know, in, not only just to see him but also just to kind of check out just kind of like what a weird dude he was. Um, I would recommend just listeners just look up Bart DeGraff um, and, uh, you know, but but, you know, without being without seeing him, he's essentially, uh, as I said, he has this these problem, this problems with his kidneys that stunted his growth to where he was kind of stuck in a childlike body, kind of similar to like Gary Coleman or Emmanuel Lewis or something like that. Um, but he's just, he's a, he's a small man who simultaneously looks like he's like nine years old, but also 50. It's, it's a very interesting thing to behold. He's got the vibe of the guy from Children of the Corn, the like leader from the first Children of the Outlander. I don't know what the condition is called or whatever, but it's another guy who has that condition where his body does not progress past looking like a child. For some reason, I thought that guy was just a kid. No, he yeah, he's he's another guy who the development of his body was stunted for some reason. And into his adulthood, he just looks like a child, basically. The like Webster syndrome or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. OK, interesting. I didn't know that. But you can see that like later on in his life, he still looks like a child, but also simultaneously looks 60 in a way that's like uncanny. He's a, he's a very interesting looking person, and he was able to basically capitalize on that, similar to a Robert Zadar or uh, Derek Mears. Derek Mears. Derek Mears. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. He he uh, he carved out this celebrity in the Netherlands by basically just being like that guy who goes on to TV shows and he looks like he's twelve, essentially. He was like a combination of Dick Clark, Eric Andre, Andy Milanakis, and Wee Man. This is just like a random music video that he was in. This is the craziest thing I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> this is the craziest fucking thing. Yeah, it's it's from 1988, and it's like this this like novelty song about mice or something. I don't. I have no idea what this is about. I don't speak Dutch. But it's Bart DeGraff sitting on stage with like two like backup dancers dancing behind him. And he's just singing about mice or something. I mean, if you if you speak Dutch, tell me what he's singing about. Because he's just he's looking at some mice. But that's like not even that's like nowhere near as weird as this is. He's sitting down wearing a pink shirt, giant like 
Poindexter glasses with no lenses in them, bleached hair, and like it's so. There's like spotlights and like stars being projected behind him. It looks like a stand-up show in hell. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't actually know what this like is from. It's just. It's just like. It's some music video for a song about mice that he's singing. But that was like that was the level of celebrity that he was was just like, hey, there's this guy that's on TV all the time. And now he's going to do this novelty song about mice or something. That is the most surreal thing I've ever seen. And I am completely in love. I love this (laughs) so much. Also, you are right on the money when you say that this motherfucker looks like Bart Simpson. Like, that can't be an accident, right? Like, either Bart Simpson is based on this guy or this guy saw Bart Simpson and is like, that's my fucking gimmick from now on. Yeah, I mean, considering some of the weird, like, very hyper niche references that Matt Groening incorporates into The Simpsons. I wouldn't put it past him if Bart Simpson was weirdly based on this guy. Um, but also, I, I would simultaneously say that it could be much more likely that he just saw Bart Simpson and was like, oh, my name is Bart, too. I'm just going to, like, start looking like him. But his his the spiky hair, his face looks like the way Matt Groening designed those characters. Like, God, that's so weird. Yeah, he just looks like a he looks like a live action Bart Simpson. Like a nightmare live-action Bart Simpson that Mid-Journey would spit out, you know? It's very uncanny. Wow. Man, that's so weird. He was largely famous early on for hosting a children's educational show called Boos, or B-O-O-S. Not sure how it's pronounced exactly. Where within the show, he was supposed to be a child despite being in his 20s. And we, we don't need to watch a whole lot of this, but just uh, this this is this kid's show he was in called Boos. My God, I love this. I love this so much. Bart DeGraff is somebody who um, really just has zero cultural cachet outside of the Netherlands. So there's there's almost no English information about him. So it's really like there's not like a thing where you can go and look up a Wikipedia page and get a bunch of information about anything about him. So I have no idea what this show is about. This show boosts. I literally could not tell you what the show is about. But also like the shape of his face is really mesmerizing to me. Like he has a really like small lower jaw and big upper teeth. And he like has very expressive eyes and these kind of big side sitting ears. I what the fuck? A sleeping chicken on a little girl's chest? What is this show? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the show is about. There's there's no English information about it. <laughs> it just it just seems like kind of a like educational sh- like pub like PBS show. But other than that, I have no idea what it's about. And for no particular reason, here's a body spray commercial that Bart DeGraff was in. This is when he was much older. (laughs) That amazing. Amazing. That was more for Dave's benefit, but he'll describe it right now. (laughs) 
he gets in a he gets in an air uh, he gets in a, a lift a, an elevator and uh, gets sprayed with some Axe body spray. An attractive adult woman gets in, gives him the eyes, sniff sniff. Oh yeah, they're uh, they're they're all about to get it on. The elevator door closes, opens. His hair is all muffled. She's getting her skirt you know straightened and walks out. Then <laughs> a 6'2 black construction worker gets in the elevator and he looks at Bart DeGraff like, hey, what's up with you? Doors close, doors open, and that guy's on the floor and Bart DeGraff is standing over him, straightening his tie because he's about to, they've just engaged in coitus. Amazing. Buy, buy this body spray. <laughs> they, go, they go hard with commercials in the Netherlands. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. The Netherlands are kind of an odd place pop culturally. So that brand of absurdist humor is not even uncommon or unique. But even for the Dutch, de Graaf had strained sensibilities. And he was also a rebellious spirit who felt shackled by the confines of mainstream TV, likely through the transformative process of growing up with this unique condition that forced him to work harder and be more inventive in order to be taken seriously. So in 1997, he realized the ultimate dream of, I think, every oddball creative person whose style and taste flies in the face of the mainstream. He started his own TV channel, a public broadcast station called Bart's News Network, or BNN, the name being a parody of CNN and not necessarily indicative of the channel's programming. Imagine being so well-known in your country and having such a ubiquitous pop cultural cachet that just taking an existing TV channel name and putting your first name in it is a funny pun which is why I'm announcing the new flagship broadcast station of Spicevania, the Spice Channel. That name's not taken right. BNN became a part of the Netherlands public broadcasting system on August 15th of 1997. And not only was it a full-fledged TV station with a slate of super eclectic programming that spanned multiple genres, but it also immediately became a veritable pop cultural staple in the country. And it was basically a whole channel of literally whatever the hell Bart wanted it to be. It was like if somebody gave Tom Green millions of dollars at the height of his fame, but instead of making that Freddy Got Fingered movie, he instead just took over UPN and made it the weirdest channel on TV and everybody fucking loved it. Amongst its programming were the Dutch versions of Cash Cab and Whose Line Is It Anyway? But what you're really interested in is the weird shit. There was the show Spuiten en Slikken, which translates in English as Shoot and Swallow, which was a show exploring different aspects of sex sexual kinks and recreational drug use and was controversial because the hosts of the show would try various sexual kinks and fetishes and take various drugs on camera along with a weekly guest like if jimmy fallon brought pedro pascal onto the tonight show and they just took turns shooting heroin and engaging in piss play and while the show stopped airing in 2018 it was apparently revived on another channel and still makes episodes to this day although i'm not 100 percent sure because i don't speak dutch um, I tried to find some clips of this show to watch, uh, but it was all behind a paywall, and it was all in Dutch, and I couldn't figure out how to get it. So we can't watch any episodes of Spuiten and Slicken. Damn it. I was trying to get my Spuiten and Slicken on, bro. There was also the show Try Before You Die, where on each episode, the presenters would do things that they think everyone should do at least once in their life, with one episode featuring a presenter streaking during a tennis match at Wimbledon. Hell, Athens. First on centre court, the big hitting all Russian contest between the champion here two years ago, Maria Sharapova, and Elena Dementsheva. So this uh, on this episode of Try Before You Die, 
the host goes to Wimbledon and there's a tennis match going on and he's about to just run out there streaking, which I, I'm pretty sure this was like, I'm pretty sure I've heard about this event in a different context. I'm pretty sure that this streaking event at Wimbledon was like a thing that made news and was like a thing that people talked about, but it was for this show. The, the tennis match is going on and he's just waiting in the audience. He's really nervous, psyching himself up. Now he's getting up and he's just going full. Oh, yeah. Full Dutch. Booty. He's doing a cartwheel, totally naked. <laughs> there was like a... I did not notice this the first time I watched this, but there's a comedic, almost like cartoon-esque reaction from the female tennis player that's standing over here. She's standing there bouncing the ball with her racket and just looking away and just just pay attention to her over here. She's like bouncing a ball and then she turns around and sees him for the first time and then like she just like her arm just like drops to her side and the ball stops bouncing. It's like, it was like a cartoon. And there was one episode where Bart DeGraff himself hosted and thought that everyone should just throw a brick at a store window and really just went to some random convenience store and did it without permission. Verder niks. Ik vind het zo erg dat ik bijna deze steen hier... So Bart DeGraff is just standing outside of like a convenience store in the middle of the night with a giant brick. And then he just starts throwing the brick at the window. And this is just like a TV show. This TV show is just, he just throws a brick at a window? And it doesn't break. He's just... Well, you know, as it shouldn't, safety glass, it's made to not shatter. I'm into his fit, though. Guy, look, he's looking good. He's got this big puffer jacket, nice jeans. Like, I feel like I've seen that guy at, like, a bunch of hardcore shows I've been to. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's in, Bart DeGraff is in the pit nightly. So he he's at this convenience store in the middle of the night. He throws a brick or tries to throw a brick through the window. It breaks the window kind of, but doesn't fully shatter the way that you would expect. And then he calls the police on himself. So that's what he just did. He just called the police on himself. And then uh, the, the cops show up. This guy shows up and he calls in uh, a cruiser. And so some cops show up and at first they're like, they're going to, they show up and they're going to like arrest him. But then they see who it is and they're just like, oh, it's just, it's just Bart. And then they're just like hanging out laughing. There's too much weird shit to even go through that aired on this channel. But here's a little compilation of some of the strangest Bart DeGraff moments on BNN. So this is like a weird parody of Teletubbies or every... Every character is played by Bart, and it's like, it's a Teletubbies parody 
where the Teletubby just walks around farting. And then a different Teletubby played by Bart DeGraff just walks up and he starts sniffing the farts. Uh-oh, dearie. This is so <laughs> insane. This is the... And then he starts shitting in a plant. <laughs> this, is, this has to be seen to be believed. <laughs> this, is, this is the craziest fucking... What? <laughs> It's just a Teletubby shitting into a plant. <laughs> and then he wipes himself with a with toilet paper. Oh, he wipes himself with a rabbit. He picks up a white rabbit and wipes himself. <laughs> That's that's something that played on that channel. I don't know whether I hate this or it's my favorite thing ever, but either way, I love it. Yes, I know, I know what you mean. I love I watching a bunch of these clips and things from this channel. Much of it, and I, you know, you could you could chalk this up. To, you could chalk some of this up to just cultural differences, like the fact that it's not my cup of tea. Could just be the fact that. People in the Netherlands just have a different sense of humor. Uh, But watching a lot of the clips of these shows and things like that, much of it is something that I specifically, the actual content does not appeal to me. It's I find it to be strange in kind of a non-positive way, just kind of like odd and kind of impenetrably weird and not particularly funny or enjoyable, just very odd. But... I love the general idea that this one guy built up enough celebrity in the country and then was just like, I want to start my own channel and it's just going to be a bunch of random shit that I like. And then he just did that. I, I love the idea of that. The actual content, I don't I'm not really that much of a fan of it. I don't know if I I don't know if I'm like really in the I, I don't know if like Bart DeGraff and I would like have been into the same stuff. But I love the concept of it a lot. I mean, it's hard for me to know because of the language barrier. But there is a part of this that is, it's just, it's made exponentially weirder because he looks so visually different. You know what I mean? Like, uh, they're already surrealist bits. And then it's a surreal bit where it's made exponentially more surreal by the fact that he's... Uh, you know, he's a little person who has a, a very unique visual aesthetic, and he also is like mugging and like, you know, making weird faces and stuff. You could imagine seeing that out of context without knowing any of this stuff and just being like, what the fuck is this? It'd just be that 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 I think you should leave thing that's been turned into like a meme or whatever. of Just like, what the fuck are you talking about? The entire channel can basically be summed up by this promo clip. I'm a big, big girl in a big, big world. So this is just footage of cows. There's just cows that are eating hay. 
on a field. That attitude will miss you much. It's kind of like fade, fading slow motion footage. And then one of the cows just explodes. <laughs> and then Bart DeGraff just walks out onto the camera and starts laughing maniacally. Like that's, that's being in. That's just what this channel is. Strange random, kind of not particularly funny in any kind of clever way, just very weird for the sake of being weird, but it's just exactly what this specific dude thinks is hilarious for whatever reason. BNN eventually went on to merge with another Dutch broadcast station in 2014 to become BNN Vara, a much more normal and traditional broadcasting conglomerate. And the original station will always go down in Dutch pop culture history as being this really weird, singular vision of one odd little man. But there was one show in particular that aired in 2007, long before the corporate merger when BNN was still just a scrappy little channel, that would not only grab national attention and spark widespread controversy, but also elevate the channel into being the home of one of the greatest and most ethically gray political performance art stunts in history. So, uh, speaking of political performance art, is there anything you got you want you got a plug today, Davy Boy? <laughs> yes, uh, I would like to talk about the fact that there is a Halloween Boy toy. Twenty points of articulation, spooky visage, orange jumpsuit, obeyer blade sword with detachable red see-through translucent plastic flames, baby. Great googly moogly. Great googly moogly. Uh, he can be pre-ordered on Big Bad Toy Store. Um, I've struck a licensing deal with Fresh Monkey Fiction, the toy company that is producing the line uh, for Big Bad Toy Store called Operation Monster Force. There's six-inch, 20 points of articulated uh, action figures. And um, my dude, Halloween Boy, is going to be in the, the, new, the new wave. Uh, so if... You like Halloween Boy, you've read them in the past, or if you're uh, wanting to get a cool action figure, please go pick up Halloween Boy. Also, my book, Mary Tyler Moorhawk, that I talk about incessantly, and I'm going to be continuing to talk about until February of next year. It's kind of like Buckaroo Bonsai Me's House of Leaves. It's available for pre-order right now. Amazon, Target, Walmart, fucking wherever you get books, you can pre-order it. Uh, there's a special thing going on with Golden Apple Comics where if you pre-order it through them, Get a little book plate that I will sign and draw in for you. Listen, listen, guys. Yeah, listen, guys. Back back in 2015, uh, I pre-ordered the these two 12-inch Judge Dredd action figures from Big Bad Toy Store, and one of them was this full color uh, Judge Dredd action figure, and then the other one was a black and white variant. And for whatever reason, the black and white variant came out before the full color version. So I pre-ordered these two toys. I was living in an apartment. I got the black and white variant. And then I kind of forgot about the other one that was coming out at some later date. And then I moved to a different place. And the 
full color Judge Dredd action figure, which I paid like $40, $50 for, was delivered to that original apartment. And I tried to get it. And like, I, I, there was, the, it, it had the tracking information. It showed that it was delivered there. I saw that it was confirmed to have been sent to that apartment, but I called them. They didn't know what I was talking about. I went there. Nobody knew what I was talking about. So somewhere, somebody at this apartment complex got this full color Judge Dredd action figure. So in the spirit of that, order two Halloween boy action figures, one for yourself and one for the superintendent at your apartment complex. <laughs> we're going to we're going to start that as the new tradition. Yeah, it's called pay it, it's called superintendent pay it forward. But uh you can't find me on social media because I don't use social media. But our dear departed beloved Papa Pricey, the OG co-host of Deep Cuts, before he shuffled off his mortal coil for reasons that are too painful to even get into right now, he made a, a, a little comic book, and it was called Deadbolt AI Private Eye, and it's a comic about a futuristic society where robots and humans coexist, and Deadbolt is a private eye who solves futuristic sci-fi crimes, and you can get it at his website, dapricerights.com. And if you want to follow us on social media, Deep Cuts, you can go to Facebook and you can search the Deep Cuts podcast Facebook page where we post a bunch of cool images and memes and stuff that hovers around the ephemera of our interests. Um, you can also join our Facebook group, the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group, where we talk about the show, make memes, uh, discuss stuff about episodes, so on and so forth. We also have a Discord server where we do that, but more specifically, and we also play games, and uh, we, we do a counting game there where I have a deal with everybody where if they can get to uh, you know, certain numbers, then I will shout them out on the show. And you can go and check that out by going to bit.ly.com slash deep cuts discord. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at deep cuts pod. You can follow us on TikTok at mystery Treehouse. You can follow me on TikTok because I fucking lied. I am on social media. Fuck you. Uh, by following me at, at dead boy detective. Um, I have a channel there where I do a bunch of random stuff. Um, I'm most known for making these like weird fan theory videos about Disney movies. Um, unfortunately, that's just the thing that I have gone viral for. Um, and I'm just kind of stuck doing it. Um, but I also make videos talking about like uh, my experience in social media and marketing. Um, I also make videos where I show off like some of my music and comic stuff that I do. Um, sometimes I just do like explainer videos about like facts about things it's a very eclectic channel where I just make a lot of stuff that's interesting to me. Um, you can also go to our website, deepcutspod.com, and click on our shop, and you can get some cool merch like hats and T-shirts and fanny packs and baby onesies that all have cool Deep Cuts graphics that have been made by some of our artist friends. Um, and uh, you, can, um, you can go to uh, google.com, and you can search Goatsy and just see where that takes you. Quick note from Future Spandrew editing this episode. Don't actually do that. Act 2. Will the real kidney recipient please stand up? The same year that Bart DeGraff founded BNN, he also received a donor kidney after a many years battle to find an available match. The transplant took place in 1997 along with the launch of BNN, and for a while he was able to breathe easy and just enjoy the success of his new channel rather than constantly worrying about his health as he had for most of his life. 
But the thing was, de Graaf was basically a national celebrity in the Netherlands, and yet he still had a ton of trouble getting the kidney in the first place. The reason being that the entire organ donation industry in the Netherlands was completely fucked, and a mortality rate for people on the organ transplant waiting list of 15 to 30%. At this time in the late 90s and early 2000s, there were over 400,000 people looking for an organ donor and 200 people dying each year while waiting for a kidney transplant just in the Netherlands alone. So it was no wonder that even a national treasure like de Graaf struggled to find a suitable kidney. But he did it at least. Everything was good and he would live out the rest of his life as the maniacal host of the country's strangest TV channel, right? Well, unfortunately, no. Just a few short years after de Graaf's transplant, his body started to reject the donor kidney. Throughout the first few years of the 2000s, his health began to decline rapidly. And this time, he was unable to find a suitable replacement kidney. In May of 2002, he passed away from renal failure due to his body's rejection of the kidney. His friends, family, and the entire staff of BNN were devastated, obviously. But the sad passing was also a matter of national grieving, with de Graaf's death covered across every news station in the Netherlands. Dutch people everywhere were sad to lose de Graaf. But they were also angry, angry at the country's failure to solve the growing organ donor crisis. For years, the Dutch public demanded that the government do something to fix this issue with long donation wait times, and it seemed like they had no interest in listening. De Graaf's death sparked a national conversation about just how bad the issue actually was. But the BNN team had a platform and an ingrained rebellious spirit baked into the channel by its late founder, so they did two things. First, they officially changed the broadcast network's name from Bart's News Network to Bart's Neverending Network as a sort of homage to De Graaf and the fact that he would live on forever through the channel's programming. And also, a few years later in 2007, they announced a new television event called the Bart DeGraff Donor Evening. This television event, which was being produced by Indemol Entertainment, you know, the Fear Factor people, would be a massive charity event honoring the late, great Bart DeGraff, and was designed to raise funds for kidney transplant patients, which sounds completely normal and totally respectable, right? Like, just an extremely normal and admirable thing that any company, organization, or celebrity would do in honor of a late public figure in order to raise money to fight the thing that killed them, right? Well, Bart's never-ending network wasn't any normal TV channel, and it was founded by Bart DeGraff himself, after all, the weirdest and most rebellious figure in Dutch television. So just wait until you hear the premise for what this actually was. Eventually, it was retitled De Grove Donor Show, or The Great Donor Show, or sometimes The Big Donor Show for some reason. And it was meant to be a competition-style reality TV show, in the same vein as any of Endemol's other reality shows, where three contestants experiencing chronic kidney failure would compete to be chosen to receive the kidney of a terminally ill woman, and the dying woman herself would serve as the show's Simon Cowell literally judging the performance of the contestants and ultimately deciding which one would get her kidney once she shuffled off this mortal coil. So, like a literal episode of Black Mirror produced by the people who eventually created Black Mirror. Turns out they were speaking not from a profound sense of fear of the further implications of our modern culture, but from their own personal experience. So, everyone heard your reaction as you cold read the intro to this episode. So, now now that we've gotten to this place... Let's 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 talk about it. Let's hear it. What do you think? What do you think about the Great Donor Show? This is the craziest fucking thing. This is the craziest fucking thing I've I've ever heard. And frankly, I'm the thing that's so I'm I feel like I'm reeling on two fronts. Part of me is just shocked that I've never heard of this before, and part of me is shocked that this is a real thing. How did you find out about this? Like where did where did you come across this? 
Um, I don't know. I, I and and the th- so the way that I originally found out about this, I think it was just like a random reference to it, like on Twitter or something. I'm pretty sure it was like on Twitter. It, it, it the thing I saw it on was so like vague that I don't even remember what I saw. But basically, I was like, I saw something where it was like, um. I, it was like on an account that was like shit that actually happened or whatever, or on this day or whatever. And it was like, this thing happened in 2007 for, seriously. And I saw that and I was like, what the fuck? And, uh, I, I looked into it and there's very little documentation about this, um, on the internet. Uh, y- there's like, you go on the YouTube and you can find, and we'll look at a lot of this stuff as we go on with the episode. So everything I'm talking about, we'll see or listen to, but there's like clips of some of the news uh, coverage of it. There are some clips from the show, but unfortunately not the entire episode. Um, and then there are a couple of like video essays on YouTube about it. Uh, and I I pulled some of the information from some of these. Mostly I pulled some of the clips uh, from a couple of these video essays because this stuff just wasn't available anymore anywhere else. I couldn't find it. So some of this information comes from just like really sparse Wikipedia pages. Some of this information comes from a few of these video essays or explainers that I found on YouTube. And uh, otherwise, there's just nothing about this. So I, it's it, it, it's not surprising that a lot of people have never heard of this because there's just like there's literally like there's literally like a sum total of 15 minutes worth of content on the entirety of the Internet about this thing. But in the true i've said this before about some other episodes but this is a quintessential deep cuts episode because it's a fucking crazy story that your immediate knee-jerk reaction is how the hell have i never heard of this in my life yeah and honestly even just the like bart de graf is also just somebody who i would i would think would have crossed my path at some point because i love weird esoteric stuff like this I, I'm just shocked. I'm just shocked that I've never heard of Bart DeGraff or his comedy or like even just like seeing, you know how it is. People like this, they become these weird internet meme, you know, like the the techno Viking or like the Numa Numa guy or lightsaber kid, like people like that, that just kind of like, you don't really, you know, vague things about them of like, I feel like the Numa Numa guy maybe is somebody from the Netherlands also. Um, and like, you know, you, 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 they just become these strange little pieces of pop culture that like bubble up. And I'm so shocked that I've never interacted with him in any sort of even tangential way. Cause it seems like something that would absolutely have come into my orbit. Yeah. Or they end up being like weird out of context memes where there's just like a gif of Bart DeGraff doing something and it's been used in a million memes and you've seen it so many times. And then you're just like, oh, that's who that guy is, but not even, but not even that. And and yeah, I, I my only my as far as I know, and as far just absorbing this material, as far as I can tell, my only prior um, interaction with any of this is I'm pretty sure that I've seen something about that Wimbledon streaking incident. Like that was like a news story. But aside from that, I have never none of this has ever come into my orbit ever. I've never heard of any of this stuff. Yeah, I I have zero knowledge of any of this. Uh, and that's what's so exciting about this. And one of the reasons why I still like doing the show after all of these fucking hours of us trapped in this goddamn 
treehouse you know like at a certain point i mean i'm really just here for the teehees and the weird shit man like i'm tired of looking at your face but i love this experience of being like what how have i never heard of this yeah we we have nothing but just the purest of contempt for each other but it's worth it for those 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 crystalline moments it's very much like uh Jamie and the other guy from Mythbusters where they just like hated each other, but they had to be around each other for the show for years on end. It's really that. That's just our vibe. Except for except for instead of like a contractual obligation, it's like a joint obsession with just being just getting to experience joy every once in a while. (laughs) I would have said a joint obsession with the obscure, but yes, (laughs) the... The a joint obsession with experiencing joy. That's a weird way to phrase this. We're we're just, we're so we're so dead that the only thing that can make us feel anything anymore is just like the most singular, insane piece of information that just comes out of nowhere like a fucking like a freight train. Yeah, like a cow exploding in a in a Dutch field, one might yeah, say. Yeah, and then just a little man coming out and laughing maniacally. I mean, that's basically my life. Yeah, I mean you you blow up a cow every morning and then just go ha! <laughs> Are we going to, is this clip, is there a clip? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is there a, is there a clip for this? No, there's a, there's a placeholder for a clip, but um, yeah, there's the, there's clips of the show, which there, there's, there's clips of all the important stuff of the show, which we'll watch later on. But unfortunately there's no full version of the episode available anywhere. And um, there's nothing I could find of like earlier parts of the episode. Like it's all there's and we'll get to this, but there's a clip of the the very beginning, which we're going to watch soon. And then there's clips of the end and there's nothing of the in between stuff. So we don't have anything to watch here, but we're going to watch some clips from it soon. The concept of the Grove Donor Show went as such. It was hosted by Dutch TV presenter Patrick Logiers who would serve as the great donor show's Joe Rogan. Lisa, a 37-year-old Dutch woman with terminal brain cancer, was the subject of the show and was asked to screen 25 different patients in the Netherlands currently awaiting a kidney transplant and narrow it down to three people based on their submission packages. These three contestants were Esther Claire, Vincent, and Charlotte. They would come on the show, sit in front of a studio audience of 200 people, and plead their case to Lisa. At the end of the show, Lisa would choose one of the contestants to receive one of her kidneys. It never mentions why she wasn't offering her second kidney, but I guess she was just saving that one for a date night with Hannibal Lecter that she was given by the Make-A-Wish Foundation. The only saving grace that prevented this from being a completely cynical ratings grab by Endemol and BNN was the fact that the studio audience and viewers at home were allowed to text Lisa advice on which contestant she would choose, and the text fees were all going to be donated to the Dutch Kidney Foundation in Bart de Graaff's name. Other than that, it was meant to spread awareness for the growing organ donor crisis in the country. This is so bleak. This is... This... This... This is a Paul Verhoeven movie. This is so, this is, it's Judge Dredd. It's Total Recall. This is terrifying. Verhoeven's toupee, baby. Dude, it's Verhoeven's fucking toupee. It's Verhoeven's Rogaine. Like, this is. Yeah, I was gonna, this, this is, this is Verhoeven, Verhoeven's bald cap because of the chemo. Dude, it's Verhoeven's chemo bald cap. Like, this is so scary on, like, every level. 
it would be terrifying to be one of the contestants and like have this false glimmer of hope that you have a 33 and a third percent chance of convincing some poor woman to give you her literal body parts it's terrifying to be someone with terminal cancer and you're spending your last days on earth engaged in a sycophantic bizarre game show where you're dangling your body in front of people as a life-giving instrument it's terrifying to be the host can you imagine being an able-bodied non-sick host of this and trying to pretend like this is okay it's bizarre to be a viewer of this and think that this is fun and like texting this poor woman like give it to vincent he seems like a good person fuck those other people they deserve to die this is insane. That's what they will do. That's what they will do. And they'll and they'll display some of the text messages on screen on the show and read them. This is the craziest fucking thing I have ever heard. Yeah, it's it's here's the thing. No, before you go before you go any further, you know what's even crazier about this to me is that this is not American. This feels like a da- a damning critique of the American healthcare industry. But the fact that it's in the Netherlands is crazy. Well, here's the thing. What what is Paul Verhoeven? Isn't he Dutch? He is Dutch. He is Dutch. So like he's like, this is my shit, baby. (laughs) Verhoeven films aren't like a stark satire of American culture. That's just a realistic documentary about the Netherlands. No, it's not. It's an external perspective on the bizarreness of American life. A hundred percent. Now, d- was his life crazy growing up? Yes, they had. He had literal SS anti-aircraft rocket launchers installed by the Nazis in his backyard growing up. Like he, I'm not saying life in the Netherlands isn't weird, but it's the reason RoboCop and Total Recall and all of his movies have this bizarre critique wit is because. A, he just is a sardonic person and is an extreme person because of the environment that he was forged from in, you know, the Second World War. But come on, like it is so inextricably linked to the American experience, whether it's an external perception of it or the actual lived experience. Well, here's the thing. So so you so you you say that like you're you're like and I that's not a surprising thing to say for you to say that I'm surprised this is not American because, number one, here's the thing. We didn't really talk about it earlier when we kind of got in got into the episode but first and foremost before we even get to this i was shocked to find out that all of these very american very like the excess of american culture reality tv shows that are all about like crazy public expressions of risk and wanton violence in order to achieve fame like fear factor and 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 uh, well, Big Brother was was British, but all of these shows were not created by American television producers. They were created by this Dutch company. All of these shows are 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 Dutch shows that were created and packaged and sold to American and British markets, which I I thought was crazy. I, I was so surprised by that. I mean, even like you know, some of the biggest movie producers that have made indelible American films are not originally American. Dino De Laurentiis is Italian, right? Like, you know, like there's so many examples of people coming from other countries and making American movies better than Americans or feeding movies or content or pieces of media into the American system. Roland Emmerich being a perfect example. Like 
his movies are the most American movies, and that dude's German, right? Or like you know all those uh, all those other quintessential American films throughout the 30s, 40s, and 50s that were made by Frank Capra. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, and and so the other thing about it is is that this thing is both just insane, surreal, and very bleak and dystopian. But it's also simultaneously so endemic of the of the 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 fact, like the fact that this is as crazy as it is, and yet we don't know about it, really goes to show how much people don't care about shit that's not American. Like the fact that this happened and it and we and we don't know about it just shows how like completely minimized anything that is an American is in Western culture. Cause it, like, cause like to your point, if this happened in the United States, this would, this would be, this would be as familiar to us as like the fire festival in Ron, uh, you know, these crazy events that have happened in, in pop culture history that we all. Yeah. And yet, and yet, and, and yet, because the people who did it were talking like this, uh, just zero stickiness in, in like cultural history. The show was quietly announced in a joint press release by BNN and Endemol early in 2007. And at first it didn't get much attention. In fact, the producers of the show were initially worried that their special event was going to completely fly under the radar and go unnoticed by Dutch public. However, slowly word of the show and its extremely concerning premise started to spread getting picked up by local papers throughout the Netherlands, and then local news stations, and then national news stations. Eventually, the show's reputation got so big that it became a global controversy, picked up by news outlets all over the world. And the coverage was not positive, with people worldwide condemning the show and its premise and believing it to be the height of poor taste and human exploitation. And now this this is a compilation of just some sound bites from news shows all over the world that picked this up and talked about it. The program is called Big Donor Show. The Tweede Kamer vindt het programma onsmakelijk. In Den Haag is op en ontstaan. Een smakeloos programma. Three people who need a new kidney. This is cynical exploitation. Life-saving kidney operation. The makers of Big Brother have done it again. Organen verhandelbaar maken. The Big Donor Show is designed to cause outrage. Gebrek aan donoren. Unethical and tasteless. Transmission is set for Friday. Mit höchst macabren Mitte. The latest controversial program. A bad taste. Has reality TV gone too far? Too far? Too far? Too far? It's crazy because, like I said, like has been covered here, that this happened in 2007, and it genuinely did get global coverage, and it was a controversial topic. Um, and we're going to see some more clips here uh, of this being discussed in the United States. So it's even crazier of like how, like how did we? It's not like this happened in 1982 or something like that. Like this happened, we were we were adults. I, I don't know how I never heard of this. I wonder if it had happened in a time. Uh, that was a you know more recent memory you know 90s 80s whatever if we actually would have probably had more exposure to it just because there would be less channels of media and so everything would have been consolidated more and so the kind of like lore of its existence would have then been popularized by the internet as opposed to 
it existing and then diffusing fairly quickly. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know that that's true. I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah, and also in 2007, we had like the early stages of a global recession and also like a the beginning of a forever, forever war in, you know, in Iraq and Afghanistan. So probably we probably just were distracted by a few other things. Here's a debate about the show that was held on Fox News between a member of American libertarian think tank, the Cato Institute, and the most stereotypical villain from a kid's movie about a young girl who has to deal with the stepmom from hell who plans to ship her off to military school the moment her and her dad are married that I've ever seen in my life. Christine O'Donnell, president of the Faith and Flag Alliance and future Delaware State Senate nominee that I kind of totally forgot about until literally just right now. She's 37 years old. She's terminally ill. And she wants, by life, while living, to give away one of her kidneys, which is something that is generally accepted by the medical world. But she's going to do it in a live show, and she's going to give it to one in three people who are going to be there, our contestants. Have you heard about this? It's the big rage in Europe right now. The Big Donor Show. It airs on Dutch TV tomorrow. Now, the reality TV show features three contestants desperately vying for a single human kidney. That's raising all types of ethical questions and outrage. But my next guest says that you should be able to give away your kidney or even sell it for that matter to the highest bidder. She is Siegfried uh, Freyrevere. I, I probably trashed your name. I apologize for that. Right. She's with the Cato Institute. Uh, but Christine O'Donnell disagrees. She is president of the Faith and Flag Alliance. So Siegfried, you say your kidney, your choice, right? Absolutely. I think it's a win-win situation. Um, someone is going to get their life saved. There are seven people every day who die on the waiting list. And someone's going to get compensated for doing a good thing. Christine? The human body should never be a commodity. Neil, we should never hear you report whether human organs rose or fell on the NASDAQ today. And that's what this does. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, there isn't a great need for organs out there, but we need to leave it in the hands of the medical profession, not game show hosts. This television show is exploiting people's desperation, and it's, it's a tragedy. You know, the one thing that worries me about the message being sent here is that it does cheapen the human body and treat it as entertainment to sell a desperately needed organ to someone uh, who might die otherwise. Right. Is that the message right. you want to be sending? Well, it might be a tactless show, but if people agree to go on it and are fully informed, then it's their decision whether or not to do that. I mean, we shouldn't be regulating things based on whether or not we think it's in good taste. The individuals well, involved are adults and they can give informed consent and decide that that's what they want to do. In the end, I think all three people are going to end up with organs because the contestant is going to choose one. And then because the other two were on TV, I'll bet you anything someone will come forward with an organ for each one of those people as well. So they have to be pre-selected, but that's another issue. But go ahead, Christine. What right. were you going to say? Well, what about the other ones who don't get to be on TV? But but the point is, with that logic that she's stating, it's ignoring the fundamental principle that should govern all of our trade. And that principle is that the human dignity does not come with a price tag. If we followed her logic, then we should be able to volunteer for the for the slave trade or volunteer, you know, enroll ourselves into sex trafficking as long as we donate the money to charity. You know, the bottom line is not profit. And again, like I said, the principle that human dignity does not come with a price tag is what should govern all trade, whether it's a 
television show or whether it's uh, commodities and stocks we trade on the stock exchange. Sigurd, let me ask you and, about the yes. message that uh, we all know that there are desperate waits for organs of all sorts, kidneys a little less so, but still waits, long waits. Um, and that this TV show is doing nothing more than showing close up what that drama is all about. What do you mean? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the problems with the dignity. I'm, I, I'm, I'm torn on that video because I don't, I don't know if you remember, but back in the, I, I, like I said, I completely forgot about it. But back in the 2010s, like Christine O'Donnell was all over the TV, all during the Tea Party bullshit. She was like a Sarah Palin esque figure, and but she's on this thing, kind of making like somewhat of a reasonable argument that I generally agree with, which is like this is kind of fucked up. But then she's like compares it to the slave trade and human trafficking, which I find is to be a weird conflation of like, oh, like somebody giving away their kidney on a game show is like if you had a slave, like that's a weird. I don't understand that comparison. But also, this just this. I, I, this that little debate we listened to is just proof that the fucking 24 hour news cycle is just it's it's just a blight on our fucking humanity. Like, why are they even doing this? Why are why are they debating this? It's like some random thing having happening in the Netherlands. And there's just these two people needlessly debating it on Fox News. Like, why? What what is the point of this bullshit? Also, like. The weird thing, too, is how you you kind of like sneak in trigger hot words to key an audience that's sympathetic to alternative issues that have nothing to do with the actual subject that you're discussing to get them on your side. Like saying regulation, like we shouldn't be regulating people and what they do, which is like, but no, the, the healthcare system is failing them. And so they're desperate and trying to do whatever they can to work around that system to get the vital body parts that they need to keep existing. It has nothing to do with regulation. But we, regulating is bad. Well, here's the thing. It does have to do with regulation, but it, there should be more regulation. And that's 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 relevant. And we're going to talk about that later. There's There's going to be the idea of regulation is going to come majorly into this, but it is... Yeah, but 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 in two thousand eight, but in two thousand eight, regulation specifically was a dog whistle for the financial system and a specific political cohort that wanted less or more regulation surrounding financial institutions. But it's but it's it's funny that that particular concept was evoked in this because as we're going to learn, like the 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 way out of this is actually more regulation, but we'll, we'll get to that. Eventually, the backlash to the show's airing became so widespread that the Dutch government actually had to step in and do some kind of damage control. And the then Dutch Prime Minister, Jan Peter Balkenade, released a statement condemning The Great Donor Show. I deeply regret that BNN will broadcast The Great Donor Show on Friday evening. The controversial show does not benefit the image of the Netherlands abroad. We can profile ourselves in a better way. This does not help get more organ donors. The European Health Commissioner, Marcus Cipriano, also released a statement expressing his disgust for the show. This is not the way I would have chosen to create awareness and raise publicity when it comes to such a sensitive and emotional issue. And these weren't just empty condemnations. There was a real effort by the Dutch government to actually get the Great Donor Show shut down. Members of the Dutch Parliament wrote joint letters to the various ministers of health and media and the Netherlands public broadcast system 
asking them to prevent the broadcast from airing. But the reaction to the show wasn't all negative. There were many people who were simply intrigued by the premise or thought it was actually doing a pretty good job of highlighting the issues plaguing the Netherlands. Find the show. Every year in the Netherlands, almost 1,500, 2,000 people are waiting for a donor. But there are only like 300, 400 kidneys or whatever kind of organs available a year. So the chance that you are helped in this country with a new kidney or whatever is very low. And the pr- makers of this program say, well, we have um, this, uh, the, the same, of, same chance because you're one of the three, so we have more chance than in actual real life to get a kidney. So there, there's, a, there's a, a, again a wink uh, in, in this. Viewers were intrigued by the concept. It's not to shock people, it's to make them realize that there are a lot of people that have to donate. So uh, a donor, of being a donor, and I think that's really good. They know what they're doing and they know there is a chance that they are not going to win. So I think they just want to take the risk and uh, see what is going to happen. It's a weird, weird idea that they're going to make a lottery out of it with SMS te- text messaging and that stuff. <laughs> But it's, yeah, why not? We are very curious what's going to happen. This guy's fucking popped collar. <laughs> this 2007 Dutch motherfucker. So it's it's kind of fun also. That's why we're here. <laughs> Curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there were some people that were into it. They they saw they saw the uh, they saw the the reality TV show where people were auctioning off their organs to the highest dying bidder, and they were just like. I'm listening. I'm here. Tell me more. I mean, there was two. There was two hundred people in the two, in the studio audience. So there was like there was two hundred people who were like interested enough in this that they were they went to this place and watched the show live and and paid to send text messages. And for their part, BNN and Endemol released statements defending their reasoning for the show, stating that it was to spread awareness about the situation that the Dutch government was doing absolutely nothing about. It was near and dear to their hearts due to the passing of BNM's founder, and also that considering the statistics of organ donation in the country, these three contestants on this game show actually had better odds of receiving a kidney than any regular kidney transplant patient in the entire country. The transplants in our show have a 33% chance of getting a kidney. These odds are much better than in real life. In Holland, the waiting lists for kidneys are growing every year. Despite the backlash and the genuine attempts to censor the broadcast, There was ultimately nothing that the detractors could actually do because, you know, despite what many people think, free speech is important to many countries outside of the U.S. And DeGrove Donor Show went ahead and aired on June 1st, 2007. So we're going to watch the intro to The Great Donor Show, and we're also going to watch some other clips, but um, it's all in Dutch. So Dave, you're going to have to uh, translate, read read the subtitles as we we watch this stuff, because otherwise the audience is not going to know what is being said here. Het is vandaag vrijdag 1 juni 2007. Today is Friday, June 1st, 2007. Vanavond gaat er iets gebeuren dat nog nooit is gedaan. A special day in TV history with something that in Holland, uh, in Parliament and abroad, uh, some, something hasn't gone unnoticed in Parliament and abroad. The Tweede Kamer vindt het programma onsmakelijk. In Den Haag. Oh, and then this is just that same. This is that same. This is that same compilation of news footage because they actually played this in the show. Like this whole thing with all the controversy globally, this was actually part of the show. They played this little compilation of it. So this was like definitely something that they wanted to happen. Far, too far. 
Dames en heren, live vanuit Studio 1 in Aalsmeer is dit de grote... Live from Studio 1 in Aalsmeer, it's the Big Donor Show. Here's your host, Patrick Lodiers. Een bijzonder goede avond en welkom bij de Grote Donorshow. Vanavond gaan we één nierpatiënt heel gelukkig maken. We will be making one patient very happy with a new kidney. The chair will be taken by 37-year-old Lisa. She's terminally ill, but wants someone else to live longer. So she'll be donating a kidney to a patient of her choice. Die kans maken op die ene nier. These contestants have a chance of getting it. The program was almost banned by our parliament. It didn't work, which is good. For we at BNN are aware something, 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 because we lost our founder uh, and inspiration to a kidney disease. Each year, 200 people die because they don't receive an organ in time. There are about 200 people here. So that's how many people die each year for lack of donors. Not only aren't there enough donors, but something, uh, the number of adults who refuse to donate has doubled. Holland's percentage of donors is one of the lowest in Europe. The average wait for a kidney is now four and a half years. This can be halved if the number of donors is doubled. Let's try and make it happen tonight. So that was the intro to the show, like the literal opening. And uh, there's no other footage of the rest of the episode that's available online um, until like the the end of the show like the last like five minutes um but we'll get to that like i'm curious like do they, is it just like an interview thing like she asks them like would you ever engage in heroin and then they all have to go no never please give me the fucking kidney yeah i think i think maybe when they were devising the show they thought that like having them actually like compete against each other with like fear factor-esque games or something like that was probably a bridge too far um, if, if the original concept itself wasn't already a bridge too far, that was definitely a bridge too far. So they don't have them do any challenges or anything like that. They literally, they, they come on stage and they basically like that moment that happens at the beginning of America's got talent. Whenever every new contestant is brought in where before they perform, they have this whole sound package leading up to it where it's like five minutes of them just talking about their lives and it's always like my grandma uh, committed suicide, and when she, f- she by jumping off a roof, and when she did, she landed on my puppy, and then everyone's like crying, and then they come out and they perform the song. Uh, so they basically that's the thing that they did. They come out and they like talk about their life story and try to convince her that they are the most sympathetic person that needs the kidney because their life is the most sad and. Uh, and you know and sympathetic basically so the show proceeded with lisa being introduced her soon ending battle with terminal brain cancer described and then the three contestants being brought out they each explained their life stories and made a case for why they should be the one to receive lisa's kidney then patrick logiers appealed to the audience watching to begin texting lisa with their thoughts and advice on who should be chosen 
Again, with all the fees being donated to a kidney foundation. And some of the text messages were read out loud on the show. In the first major heartbreaking moment of the show, Lisa made the initial decision. She would be eliminating Esther Clare. The reasoning being that, as the oldest contestant, she'd already had more of a full and happy life than the other two. Esther Clare, for her part, understood and expected this decision and pretty much figured she'd be eliminated for this exact reason. It's really to say, um, Esther Clare, it's fact. So Lisa's like, I'm sorry, Esther Claire, you're out. And she sits down. To be honest, I was expecting it. Why? Well, my life is like, she said, quite good already. Yeah. Disappointed? Yeah. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, a warm applause for Esther Claire. So she sits down and starts drinking... Yeah. And everyone's applauding, and the two other people are still standing. Vincent and Charlotte. Vincent and Charlotte, this is... Vincent and Charlotte, this is the hour of the truth. One of you will extend their life with probably 23 years. Because a kidney of a living person will work for an average 23 years. This means 23 years, no more dialysis. You can go everywhere you want, at least if the kidney doesn't knock off. I'm very nervous for both of you. It's probably far more worse. So yeah, this is getting in. So basically, she eliminates the first person, which is Esther Clare. And then basically, there's just one more decision. She just has to choose the winner at that point. After some more audience text messages rolled in, it was finally time for Lisa to decide. Which of the remaining two contestants, Vincent or Charlotte, would actually be receiving her kidney and extending their lives by another 20 to 30 years? As Lisa went to lay down her final judgment, something strange happened. All right, Dave, are you are you fucking ready for this? Frankly, I'm not. Like, I can't really understand. I, yeah, it, it, this is just so insane to me. And it's just insane to me how normal that was, where it's just like, hey, I'm sorry, you're eliminated. Not that I'm killing you. But I'm choosing not to save you, which is, I, I mean, I get it. I understand why someone would make that choice. But it's just, if I was dying, unless it was somebody I knew that needed a kidney that I was like, oh, I'm choosing to give this person. Like, I wouldn't, I would never want to be put in that position where I'm being forced to choose. That sounds just so stressful. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I, I, yeah, 100%. I would, I, because, yeah, the thing is, is like, would I go on this game show if I was in need of a kidney? Maybe if it was a desperate situation like this and I just couldn't find a fucking donor and I was on this waiting list for years and I got the opportunity to go on a game show. Would I think it's fucking weird and creepy and dystopian and would I be very uncomfortable about doing it? 150%. Would I do it? I probably would. Would I, as somebody with like a terminal disease who just is like, wanting to give away my organs after my death, would I go on this show and be this host and do this whole elimination thing? Absolutely not. No way would I do that. Why? There's what why would I do that? Why what fucking reason would I ever do that for? It's also just evidence too. It's also just evidence too of like you can never judge somebody. You never know what they're going through. You know, you can't I know you know all those idioms and platitudes of like 
you know, don't judge a book by its cover, be respectful of everybody, you never know what they're going through, blah, 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 blah. Because Lisa, the woman who's dying of terminal brain cancer, totally normal looking, totally normal looking. You know, you just, you just never know what the interior life is like of someone. And it's a good reminder of like, try and lead with kindness because it's fucking hard out here for everybody, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, some, uh, uh, we've talked about him before on the show, but uh, Jason Parjan, who um, used to be one of the managing editors for Cracked, and he's an author, and he has written the John Dies at the Inn books and uh, the uh, Zoe books. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm a huge fan of of the John Dies at the Inn series. And um, uh, he... I don't know specifically a lot about why he's such an advocate for this. I don't know if it's something that he deals with or if it's something that somebody in his family deals with. But um, one of the characters in the John's Dies at the End books, uh, Amy, who's uh, in the book, the character David Wong, his girlfriend in the book, um, she's a character that like suffers from a lot of chronic pain. Like she has a she has a she has a bunch of like. Um, uh, she, she has like several, um, immunodeficiency diseases and she suffers from chronic pain. And, um, he, he explores that a lot in the books, particularly the last couple of books. And then he's talked about this a lot. Um, I've seen him talking about it in like on social media a lot. So he's, it's like a thing that he is particularly interested in, or it's something that affects him personally in some way. Um, but he talks about the fact that like, some I forget the statistic, but he's basically the statistic that like one in one in like one in like four people, or maybe it's one in three people, or something like that, uh, suffers from like chronic pain. And so, like when you're just walking around out in public, and maybe there's like some old dude, and he's kind of a dick to you, or something like that. Like there's a there's a high chance that he's just like in excruciating pain. And he's kind of being an asshole because he's in so much pain. And it's like this really this this huge problem in society that just nobody thinks about or talks about that people walk around and they're just in massive amounts of pain and it affects their mood. Um, and that's that, you know, that's the, that character, Amy. She there's a there's several passages in the book about her dealing with chronic pain and talking about how it like affects your mood and things like that. Um, so yeah. So number one, are you fucking ready, Dave, for this next part? And number two, do you want to read the subtitles and kind of learn them as you're reading them? Or do you want me to read them and you to experience it passively? I think it's probably better if you read it, I think. All right. All right. All right. All right. So this is the, this is the finale of the great donor show or the big donor show or DeGrove donor show. The person who will get my kidney is someone who really moved me this evening. And this person is, wait, Lisa, wait a minute. I would like a timeout. Because I would like to tell everyone again why we're doing this. Well, this is because there is something terrible wrong, terribly wrong with the organ donation in our country. There are 1,400 people on the waiting list for an organ, while their chance to receive an organ is very small. However, we could change that to fill in a donor form. Tonight, we won't give away a kidney. Even we think that's wrong. And Lisa or, or I do have to say is uh, Lisa is an actress and is very healthy. 
Esther Claire, Vincent, and Charlotte are in this complot com as well. However, they aren't actors. They are three real kidney patients, and the story they've been telling in there is their true story. Kidneyception, baby. That was a very weird reaction. Kidneyception, bitch. The fact that they're all like laughing is like really dark because it's like obviously you people are cheering or whatever, so you're just like mimicking that energy. But those people are still dying and need a kidney, and they're just like standing on stage laughing, being like, <laughs> "None of us are getting a kidney. Isn't that great? <laughs> Things are bad." Yes, very weird. But it was a. Fucking elaborate hoax. Fucking weird, man. Fucking weird. Lisa was an actor. She wasn't dying of brain cancer. They weren't giving away a kidney. It was kayfabe, baby. It was kayfabe. I'm very glad that she wasn't dying. Uh, But, man, that was... I don't know. I don't know why I feel duped. I feel a little duped right now. <laughs> where I'm kind of like... Kind of like, eh, fuck you guys. What are you doing? But also, it's for a good point. I agree. But also, eh, fuck you guys. Kayfabe, bitch. I mean, I guess I'm glad that it's kayfabe because I guess I'm glad it's kayfabe because that woman doesn't have cancer. So as opposed to four people on the verge of death, there's only three. So that's a good thing. And it brought a. It's just three people dying. It's not four. Yeah, it's just three. Calm down. Touch grass. Touch their greener fingers or whatever the fuck they call them over there. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think about it? What do you think about the twist that it's not real? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, number one, it was fucking crazy to me whenever I whenever I found that out because because I found the, the thing that I saw presented it as if it was a real thing. Like I just saw a thing that was like, did you know that in 2007 there was a reality TV show where a terminally ill woman uh, auctioned off her kidney to a bunch of like people who needed a kidney or whatever? So I so I it was presented to me like that was just a real thing that happened. And so I was genuinely shocked whenever I was when I was like reading into it. And then I got to the part where it was revealed that it was that it was not real. That so I I got to experience it as kind of like a a twist ending. And I was like, oh, shit. Like I I, it was I had like emotional whiplash because I was like feeling the same way that you were feeling that I'm sure a lot of people were feeling listening to this episode of like, this is fucked up. This is crazy. Like grappling with all of the of the ethical quandaries of it and. That just the grayness of it and like really just judging the people for doing this at all and thinking it was exploitative and putting myself in the shoes of everybody involved in it. And then just to have that flipped immediately and be like, the whole thing was fucking fake. And it was like this weird political statement, uh, not weird, a totally legit political statement. Uh, like really, it threw me for a loop. I was like, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I was like, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Do you think it's more or less effective of a political statement that it is a hoax? Uh, well, so here, well, here's the thing. 
on on the surface, doing this for real, in theory, doing this for real, I think would have would be a stronger political statement, a political statement fraught with ethical grayness. And like, just like, I don't know if this is okay that you did this thing. But I think as a real thing that that was done, it would probably be a more powerful political statement um, in and of itself. Like the idea of like, we really did this because this is how fucking bad this shit is that we're doing fucking game shows out over here, guys. That's more powerful in and of itself than we did this like little political stunt thing. Um, but for reasons that I'm about to explain in reality, this was the stronger political statement. Uh, and we'll, and I'll explain why we'll, we'll find out why, but the way that it was done makes it more effective than if they had done it for real. Yes, that's right. The entire thing had been an elaborately staged hoax. Lisa was an actress named Leone hired to play a terminally ill cancer patient. The show wasn't actually genuinely having people compete to win an organ, and while the three contestants were real kidney transplant patients awaiting their turn to receive an organ, they knowingly signed on to do the show aware that it was staged political performance art meant to provide a sharp satire of the very dire situation that they faced waiting for a kidney in the Netherlands. All the text message fees would still be donated to the Dutch Kidney Foundation, but everything, including the massive global backlash to the show as well as the attempt by the government to shut the show down, were all the ultimate goal of BNN. They wanted to draw attention to the incompetence and lack of leadership being displayed by the government in actually getting a handle on this organ crisis. And everybody played exactly into their hands. It couldn't have gone any better unless the sheer number of people watching that night caused some kind of huge electrical explosion that somehow reanimated the corpse of Bart de Graff himself to close out the show by throwing a brick through the window of Parliament. To make a show where someone gives away his kidney because that's not that's a, uh, that's a bridge too far so from right from the beginning we realized that if we want to make a show like this it has to be very special and it has to be a hoax for me uh, it, it already worked because we had uh, more attention uh, to the problem of organ donation in the last seven days more than the last seven years and tonight only tonight we had 12,000 new applicants for a donation form which is huge in, in, in Dutch uh, uh, territory. So we already succeeded. Of course, I would love it if the ratings are also high tomorrow. And I will buy every newspaper to see how the politicians who were against this show react tomorrow and see if they are a little bit ashamed because they were really very quickly with their reaction and they didn't wait to see what it uh, was all about. And that's the sticking point right there, which we're, which we, we're going to go into is What's what's going to be the reaction by the politicians that came out so strongly against this in the days leading up to its airing? And here's a press conference held by the cast and producers of The Great Donor Show that happened shortly after the broadcast occurred. We had the commercials, we had the flyers, we had the posters. It doesn't help. So something very drastic was needed. And this had to happen to wake up everybody. There we go. It's... It's just the way it is. Thank you. Because, I mean, with giving one kidney to one person, we were not going to help, really, no, the whole situation in the Netherlands. So 
the, the, the thought that is behind it is much more important. And I think the same people who understood what we were doing when they thought it was real still understand what we tried to show, I hope. The association that is behind BNN, the reaction to the reveal that the great donor show was a hoax was swift, massive, and very satisfying. All over the world, newspapers and news stations ran reports on what BNN had done. The shift from decrying the malevolent ethics of the show and asking the government to step in and shut it down to universally praising the show as a brilliant and effective satire of a massive bungling of the healthcare industry by the government was profound. Dutch Parliament was caught with their pants down, being forced to do major damage control after smugly condemning this show based on public outcry just a few days ago, only for their very condemnations to now serve as a stark reminder of how little they were actually doing about the real issue. Why would they go out of their way to attempt direct action to shut down a stupid reality TV show, and yet they hadn't lifted a finger to solve the organ waiting list problem for years? And this is the this is the thing that I was that I'm talking about. This is the thing that I just was uh, alluding to just a second ago. Um, they did like a magic trick, right? Where they intentionally presented something that caused so much controversy. And and one and uh, on the other hand, I don't know how much of this was actually on purpose and how much of this was just like it went better than they could ever have imagined it to go. But either way, they they. They announced something that was so massively controversial and so like objectively – it was so objectively not OK but also so objectively protected by, you know, just fucking freedom of speech and action that it was going to get a massive backlash but also be allowed to go on. And it had such a magic, massive backlash that all of these public, public uh, politicians – basically had to performatively come out and say, like, this is terrible. This should be shut down. Let's actually, like, try to get this shut down. I'm going to write a letter to the Dutch public broadcasting system, you know, as a representative of parliament, and I'm going to say, hey, you need to not air this because this is terrible. And they had all these people who made these statements, and they also actually tried to get the show shut down. They, they like, they took action to try to solve this thing that people were freaking out about. And then the, the, the magic trick, the, the prestige of it was to flip the script and reveal that the whole thing was a silly little joke, right? Like in all intents and purposes, it was a silly little joke. So whether or not they presented it as real prior to that or not, the effect was that in retrospect, everyone was kind of left in this uh, aftermath of like, you guys like actually got up and did something to try to stop a silly little joke. And yet you've done nothing about this organ donation thing for years. You've literally not done a single thing. And yet this dumb little reality TV show that was just kind of like messing around, you like tried to censor it and get it shut down. So in that dynamic, this was far more effective and powerful than if they had done it for real, because if they had done it for real, it would have objectively been ethically and morally wrong. So the so the uh, the the teeth gnashing of the politicians would have been some, in some way uh, justified. Yeah. So even even if these people turned around and said, like, why did you care so much about shutting down this game show instead of doing something about this problem? you still have a lot of the court of public opinion against you because what you're doing is so powerfully wrong. 
but to turn it around and be like, we were just fucking messing around. And this is the thing that they tried to do something about. It was it was very effective. The Dutch PM tried to double down on his position while still coming out sounding like the moral winner, saying that he was relieved to find out the show was a hoax, but didn't think it was the right way of spreading awareness about the issue or compelling more people to become organ donors. A rep for the Dutch health ministry also chimed in saying that this wasn't the way to properly get more donors. But people weren't having it especially after the results of this stunt started to roll in. BNN reported that they'd received 12,000 requests from viewers asking for organ donor forms on the day of the broadcast of The Great Donor Show. After a few days, they'd received a total of 50,000 requests. This was very clearly a great way to create new organ donors. And while obviously the Netherlands can't rely on a broadcast TV network orchestrating a massive, globally controversial hoax every couple of years in order to continue to push forward the rate of organ donors in the country, The event was a catalyzing moment that sparked massive public pressure and lit a fire under the feet of the Dutch government to actually fucking do something. In 2018, a law was put up to a vote that would change the Netherlands from having an opt-in organ donor system where citizens would need to specifically choose to become organ donors to an opt-out system where every Dutch citizen over the age of 18 would automatically become an organ donor and they'd have to specifically choose to be removed from the donor list if they didn't want to be on it. The law officially went into effect in 2020. And this is what I was talking about with the more regulation, because the result of all this was that they changed the law to where now everybody in the Netherlands is an organ donor, unless they don't want to be. And they have to fill out a form and they've made it, they've made the, they've made the path of least resistance being an organ donor. So the, 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 the way that they started to solve this problem was with more government intervention. Are you, a, are you an organ donor? I am. I, I, I am despite the fact that I'm kind of disturbed by the idea of people taking my organs out of my body after death. I, 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 have, a, I, have, a, I have some fears about death where, I mean, I'm just going to come out and say it. I have a creeping paranoia in the back of my mind that when we die, our consciousnesses just remain in our bodies and we can still think and experience, but we just can't move and our, our, the, the electrical current has just been removed from our body and we have no way of interacting with the world or moving our bodies. And so we can actually feel everything that happens to our dead bodies. And so whenever we get cremated, we just feel ourselves being burned alive. That's a that's a weird paranoia that I've always had. Also being buried alive. I'm just it's it's a it's a it's a paranoia that I have. So I feel weird about the idea of having my organs removed from my body, but I mean, you know, those are just my weird little neuroticisms. I find it's important to be an organ donor. I think it's a good thing to do. So yes, I've been an organ donor since I was 18 years old. So yes, yes, Dave, you can have my dick. I want to be a Klingon, man. I want to have two dicks. I want to have your dick surgically attached to to the side of my dick. So there's just two dicks right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. You didn't. You I mean you did? You could have just asked. You didn't have to do this roundabout thing. Yeah. Beat around the bush. Yeah. Are you an organ donor? Yeah. You could have just come out and asked. Uh, anything. Anything for you, baby. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Burn the rest of that carcass, but save the schlong. Mm-hmm. Burn around it. What? What do you? What do you? What do you think? What are? Your, what are your thoughts on it? On being an organ donor? being an, uh, Yeah. Are you an organ donor? What do you think about being an organ donor? So on and so forth. Other than the fact that you're, of course, getting my dick. Yeah. Uh, well, that's to say nothing of the fact that I already got your dick, if you know what I'm fucking <laughs> <to> saying. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> what's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> Do you remember when that was a thing? Just like you would just like walk into your friend's house and say what's up, and everyone would just immediately like jump up and be like what's Like that was just like a cultural like delusion that the whole nation was under for like a decade. Yeah, everybody was everybody's walking around going what's up, and then also just like doing this at each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Suck it, suck it. <laughs> yeah, totally. That was just like a thing that every human alive did from like 1998 to 2008. I mean, I still do it to this day. Uh, that's true. You do. Yeah. Uh, yes, I think being an organ donor is a noble thing to do. Um, I'm dead. If I'm not going to use these fucking organs or whatever uh give them to somebody who can i'm i also have a little bit of a paranoia around it similar to you except mine manifests as um my one of my former partner's uncles was legally declared dead even though he was totally fine and they started to cut him open to take his organs and he was not dead yeah and they were like, oh my god this motherfucker is alive uh, and so that is one of my greatest fears, you know, not to the same degree, but I, I have it a little bit where because of that anecdotal, you know, evidence of somebody I, I knew, you know, that uh, I'm like, oof, that's scary as fuck. Um, but ultimately, I think I side on the side of the Klingons. Once I'm dead, this vessel means nothing. Burn that shit, baby. I think I, you know, I'd say every couple of years I go back. Uh, the owner, the the donor conversation is a different one than do I want to be buried or burned or turned into a tree or have my skull, you know, cast and give people, you know, metal versions of my skull at my funeral while Mark Ronson's Uptown Funk plays and my mom weeps and dances while holding a metal version of my skull, you know, like that. I go back and forth, you know. I just go, I just go back and forth. We all, we all, we all know that when when you die, I'm gonna have you cremated, and then I'm gonna keep your ashes in the little thimble from Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're gonna do an episode about this, so we'll talk about it in much more detail. But uh, the the notor- the notorious art thief Miles J. Connor, which we talked about in the um, Elizabeth Stewart Gardner episode. Uh, he was in prison in the 1970s and he had to have his kidney or not his kidney, his, uh, talking about kidneys too much, his appendix removed. And he went into, into surgery in the prison hospital and they administered the anesthesia incorrectly where they, uh, administered the anesthesia that would paralyze his body, but they didn't administer enough of the anesthesia that would make him unconscious and so they performed the entire surgery on him while he was fully conscious and he felt every moment of it. And that's the most horrifying thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I'm Dave Baker. There's there's a little bit more. <laughs> I can't I can't even No, no, I can't even I just can't even go down that road. I just can't even go that's so <laughs> scary to me. That's so scary. I can't even it's I can't horrible. even do it. It's horrible. I hate it so much. I, but here's here's something that will make you feel a little bit better. And as I'm sure some people are wondering, as of at least 2020, all three of the contestants of The Great Donor Show, Esther Claire, Vincent, and Charlotte, were all still alive and healthy. In fact, Esther Claire has recently done a TED Talk about her journey with kidney failure. Charlotte has appeared on some Dutch talk shows, and Vincent has done more advocacy work raising awareness for the issue. 
So they're all good. They didn't die. They're still alive. Whether or not they've gotten kidneys or whether or not they're just they've just been on a never-ending supply of dialysis, I don't know, but they're still alive as of as of now. I'm I'm glad. Yes, that's good. That's like the best version of how this could have gone. And if you've been moved by this story, you can go to organdonor.gov slash sign up to become an organ donor in your area. And you can also visit the website for the Bart DeGraff Foundation, a charity organization started by DeGraff's sister that benefits children struggling with disabilities by visiting bartfoundation.nl and turning on your Dutch to English translation Chrome extension. It's things like the Great Donor Show that serve to remind that artistic expression can be powerful and has the potential to wield the spear of genuine change for better in our society. And also that somewhere out there in the fog of cynical, greedy commercialism that is choking the landscape of our world, there are sometimes beacons of hope that people still care and will spend millions of dollars expecting nothing in return but the satisfaction that they did right by their friend. You know, kind of like a Black Mirror episode, but sweeter. So, so what do you think about the ultimate results and legacy of the Great Donor Show or De Grove Donor Show? I think our boy Bart would would be very proud. Um, I think it's a really interesting version of something that feels in spirit with something he would have done, but also honorific to unfortunately that he lost his life due to the kidney issues surrounding kidney transplants in you know the Netherlands. Um, I think uh, I think it's what you said is pretty apt, though, of like my initial reaction being like, I feel kind of duped. Shouldn't they have done it to like really like stick it to the man? Like, wouldn't it be better if they had actually done it? But you're totally right in seeing how it played out, not giving having a having the slightly less polarizing version of it that inherently exposed the hypocrisy of the people in position of power and didn't give them something to use as a wedge issue long-term helped more people which is what the whole point of it is right um so in the moment i'm i was kind of like what fuck that like if you're gonna do it do it but after thinking it through and like seeing actually how it played out it's like oh wow no this is definitely the better version of how it could roll you know yeah and and it's and it's really that i think that's what really attracts attracted me to the story in general was just the way the way that it rolled out were as I kind of learned about the story, I my initial reaction, I mean, it's very similar to what you just explained. My initial reaction was like, this is fucking crazy. I can't believe this happened. I can't believe I never heard about this. I can't believe that somebody actually had the gall to do this. This is so exploitative. This is so dystopian. This is fucking Verhoeven's toupee on on speed. And then finding out it was a hoax was kind of like my initial reaction to that was, oh, from a story standpoint, from just a doing an episode about this standpoint, that's kind of not as cool. Like as 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 cynical as that sounds, it's not as cool that it was a staged hoax thing and not a real game show that actually auctioned off kidneys. Just just from a cynical like, is this a really good episode of Deep Cuts perspective? That was my knee jerk reaction. So I think that was the feeling duped level of grief stage of grief that you were in. And then as I kind of wrapped up the story and realized kind of the master master stroke of it all, whether fully intentional or not, the way that it just perfectly played out to have this real tangible effect. They had 50 million um, uh, donor forms filled out and submitted uh, directly as a result of the show, let alone like any of the other ones that did it that, you know, didn't directly contact, get their forms through the station. 
Um, and and the way that it just perfectly created this dynamic that exposed the politicians' hypocrisy in a way that just couldn't be denied and just really rallied the, the general public around this issue, um, it was so perfect. And it, it, it all just came together. And in the end, I just I was just left in awe of, once again, either the intentional or possibly unintentional genius of the whole thing. And that's where I kind of was left with the the my final sort of ultimate assessment of this, which is like, I'm not saying that there hasn't been more significant political movements because there definitely has been. I mean, I would say that like the civil rights movement alone, you can easily say it was a more significant you know, movement than this, but just from the, the mechanics of how it played out, I think this might've been the greatest piece of political art ever made. Yeah. It's a, it's a different corollary because it's not a movement that affects, I mean, look, does this issue affect a lot of people? Yes. But it's a different thing than the civil rights movement or, uh, you know, the suffragette movement or, you know, any any of these larger issues, it's a specific issue in a specific country, and it's a singular event, which is what makes it so impactful that it's a singular event, a singular piece of performance art that shifted the cultural zeitgeist into a very positive way, positive direction, positive outcome. Yeah, you know, in a way that that would that would make our our boy Andrew WK proud, just the ultimate form of kayfabe. I can't say anything better than that. On that note, I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. This has been Deep Cuts. If you'd like to find me, you can do so on the internet at heydavebaker.com or on the socials at xdavebakerx. Please go pre-order my book and my toy, Halloween Boy, Mary Tyler Moorhawk. Spandrew Spice, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me standing on stage competing in a competition to be the one that wins the special second eyeball to finally complete my set. Uh, and you can't find me on social media because I don't use social media, but if you want to pay your respects to the dear beloved Papa Pricey, who, unlike this, unlike Lisa, who was, her her dying was total kayfabe, really died, and it was not kayfabe at all. There's nothing performance art-based about it. Uh, you can go to his website, dapricerights.com, and pick up his book, Deadbolt AI Private Eye, which is a comic about a, dead, uh, a robot private eye living in a future society. Um, you can follow us on social media by going to Facebook and f- oh, we already did this. We already fucking did this for the, f- for the intro, for the middle part. We don't have to do all this shit. Uh, fuck everything I said. See you later. This is deep cuts. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave. I'm just gonna leave that shit in there. Deep Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content. The incidental music for this episode was created by D. Catalano, whose music can be found at wekeepoddhours.bandcamp.com.